Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Sunny Hostin is the author of Summer on Sag Harbor. This is her second time on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, so you can go back and listen to her first one as well. Sunny is the co-host of ABC Daytime's morning show, The View. You may have heard of it. Prior to that, she was a legal analyst at CNN. And before joining CNN, she was an ABC News anchor and appeared on the Fox News channel. She has covered a million different topics and has published many popular and scholarly articles in many outlets on many, many topics. And as a federal prosecutor, she was awarded with a Special Achievement Award by then Attorney General Janet Reno. 
for her prosecution of child sexual predators and work with child sex abuse. She was also a managing director of business intelligence and investigations at Kroll, the world's leading risk consulting company. She received her undergraduate degree in communications from Binghamton University and her law degree from Notre Dame Law School, a native of New York City. She lives with her husband and two children in New York. Please enjoy. Welcome, Sunny. Thanks so much for coming back on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, <laughs> this time to discuss Summer on Sag Harbor. Yes. Thank you so much for inviting me back. I had such a good time the last time for the last book, so I couldn't wait to chat with you again. Oh, I was actually just watching the video of that from last time, which I don't know why I hardly ever do when people come back, but I was like, oh, I wonder what, what was I wearing that day? <laughs> 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 anyway, as you know, I was raving about your last book and and yeah. we were talking about it being like, what's the difference of a beach read and is, is mm-hmm. that a bad thing or a good thing? And you were saying how you try hard not to make books frivolous in any way, right? You, they don't have yes. to, and it always has to have a deeper meaning. And this book, again, touches on so many important themes. So anyway. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I really, it's interesting to me because when people see you with a book that has a book cover with a woman on the beach or walking on the beach or a couple walking on the beach, they immediately sort of think it's vapid. But I think that escapism is really important in today's environment, right? We've gone through a tough couple of years. I, I know my family has and families across America. And so I thought, well, let's address some of the issues that come up, you know, almost every day but also we can do it in a fun way, in an elegant way, in an elevated way, and still reach the issues that I like to reach. So this book, of course, you know, does the same thing in a sense that I'm celebrating a community that I don't think a lot of people know about, and also just continuing the journey of one of the characters and um, discussing things like gentrification and colorism and infidelity and different types of relationships that people have, you know, marriages that are different, that kind of thing. Yeah. Just a little of that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) by the way, I did not even know that this piece of Sag Harbor was a thing. I was, I know. And I've been going out there forever. Isn't that I'm embarrassed, really embarrassed. Well, well, the thing is, it's funny because Joy Behar lives there and I often visit with her and I summer there every year since my kids were Actually, I found the place when I was pregnant with my son. So it's been 20 years. And uh, I visit Joy, and she had never been on Haven's Beach, which is a beach on Sag Harbor that's in an exclusively African-American, or I should say not exclusively, but historically African-American community that was founded in the 50s. And she was like, I didn't know this paradise existed. <laughs> you know, I, she just she just had no idea. And she lives there. She, she lives there during the summer. She lives there, you know, basically every weekend. And I think it was shocking to her that this enclave not only exists, but it's existed since the 50s. And that's one of the things I wanted to highlight because, you know, I I think when people think about the African-American community, they're not necessarily immediately thinking about wealth. They're not necessarily thinking Mm -hmm. about beach. Uh, They're not necessarily thinking about homeownership. And it's something that that has been going on since the late 1800s, not in Sac Harbor, of course, but in summer on the bluffs, I explored that Black folks were really only allowed to buy beachfront property in three places in the United States, unfortunately. But they did own homes in Oak Bluffs. They do own homes in Sac Harbor, and they do own homes in Highland Beach. And I just thought it was really special to let people know hey, this kind of paradise exists and it's open to you. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that the read is aspirational 
and sexy and fun, but informative <laughs> too. Well, you do say in the book that the residents are very pleased <laughs> that nobody are. knows about it. And I think they're going to be so upset with me. I actually called one of my, I call her one of my summer sisters and I, I gave thanks to them. And I said, you know, I wonder, uh, people are going to be visiting more. She's like, yeah, thanks. But what's great is she's also a realtor. And she's like, you know what? It would be wonderful yeah. if people learned about our community because it's a really important community. And it's, I think, pretty historic, in fact. And actually, the three communities in Sag Harbor that I kind of highlight in the book are Sag Harbor, Hills, Nineveh, and Azurest. And they have just been, as a group, landmarked as historic sites. So I just, I just think it's really cool that now this world is open to a bunch of people. <laughs> yes. It is very cool. Of course, your yeah. book is about the people, not just the place, <laughs> but having a strong sense of place is wonderful and adds to the escapism and all of it mixed up. Um, but you, you start off with your main character finding a, a letter that is disturbing from... Well, yeah. You know, I, I will tell you in many ways, I always knew where the three books, the trilogy with HarperCollins were going to be placed because this is these are my love letters basically to these places that I summer. Um, these predominantly okay. African-American communities that no one has heard of, these beach communities and coastal communities. But um, it's very much a love letter to my book club readers, because as you remember, my book came out during the pandemic. And so I couldn't do the traditional book tour. I had to do you know, it mostly virtually. Yeah. And so I must have met with about 50 book clubs or more. And I got a lot of feedback <laughs> and everyone kept on saying, I love Summer on the Bluffs, but what about Olivia? Okay. Why did she get the short end of the stick? That's not fair. And I, I was sort of like, wow, I, I actually mm -hmm. would never have imagined. I'm, I'm yeah. so thankful that people connected with the characters so strongly and they wanted to know more about Olivia. And that's why this book is centered on Olivia, yeah. because apparently there were unanswered questions that I hadn't really considered. And, and I hated oh. that readers who love the book felt that <laughs> Olivia's journey was interrupted and that she didn't get her due. And so we find out in this book that she also goes on a journey. And that journey is in Sag Harbor. And she has connections to Sag Harbor that mm -hmm. she didn't know about but for her godfather, Omar, leaving her this letter. Mm -hmm. And it takes her several years to even open the letter because she's so consumed with her anger, like many of us are, and grief, really, it's more grief than anything, and unanswered questions. And he actually answers some of the questions in the letter. And those were some of the questions of, of real readers. I mean, they were like, well, what about this? What about this? Why doesn't she know more about this? And mm -hmm. I thought, well, this is great. I mean, it's, it was a treasure trove for me. And I explained back to my readers, this is what happens. Oh. And so it's really about Olivia in Sag Harbor trying to find more about her biological father's estranged family, right? And so she thinks she's on a journey to find out about her dad and that family, but really she's on a journey to find out about herself and what she needs and what she wants and what she deserves, importantly. So I think a lot of women don't ask for what we deserve and, you know, sort of put our desires into this self-doubt mm. box. And I wanted to explore that. And she learns so much about herself. I also, yeah. I, I think you may have noticed in reading the book, thank you for reading it. I wanted to explore the issue of therapy 
It's something we talk about on The View all the time. You know, Joy Behar is a huge proponent mm-hmm. of therapy. Um, and Sarah Haynes is as well. <laughs> and I've never been a therapy, although I'm probably a lunatic and probably really need to do some therapy. <laughs> but it's something that has been stigmatized so much in so many communities that I thought, you know, I'm going to speak to a couple of therapists about their process, which was so much fun for me. And, you know, how they do what they do, because they really are changing people's lives. And so now I have Olivia going to see a therapist, which is Mm -hmm. something that has also sort of been stigmatized in the African-American community, especially for women. And I thought, well, let's bust that open. Let's talk about that. And let's just give a little peek into what that looks like so that people are more comfortable with the process. And um, that's that's why the therapy piece is in there because of my co-host, but Mm -hmm. also because I think it's an important thing. (laughs) Yeah. Therapy is so essential, especially, I mean, I, I used to be in therapy until I ran out of time, which is now when I probably need it the most because someone could tell me to like, stop doing what I'm doing, but I'm like, no, (laughs) no, but I feel like particularly now, and I was just talking to another author who teaches and Mm -hmm. I was asking what she was sort of seeing as themes in some of the essays of her students. And just, she was saying just so much anxiety and that as a teacher, she didn't even know what to do with it all. Like, what could she do? You know? Well, I think so much of it is that we've gone through a tough couple of years, right? I mean, we've had a pandemic where so many people are missing their grandparents or their parents or many loved ones at their Thanksgiving dinner. I know my in-laws both died from COVID. So, you know, we miss them. And kids experience that firsthand, that kind of loss that no kid should really experience. And I think also that kind of tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I and I think also there's the, you know, the school that no social contact for yes. a couple of years. And then when there was contact, it was mass contact. And so especially the really little ones, they grew up looking at people with the mask on. Yep. And so of course there's more anxiety now. Yeah. Of course there's less socialization. Mm-hmm. I see it in my teenagers. I mean, they experience grief and fear and not being able to connect. My son didn't have a graduation, didn't have a prom, you know, um, didn't have a traditional graduation. The parents weren't able to be there. Everybody was separated on an outdoor field. I mean, these are real things and real emotions. And I'm glad so many of our young people, though, are willing to talk about it, Mm -hmm. right? Like you do hear that. At least this teacher heard about it. Like my kids are like, I'm feeling very anxious today. Like they, they will... Tell me they have the the language to express their feelings. They're not afraid to express their feelings, this generation. And and that makes me happy. I mean, Olivia is a different generation, Olivia Jones. And so she doesn't have the words and she, she doesn't have the language to express what she's really been going through, which is quite a lot. I mean, a lot of grief, a lot of anger, a lot of displacement, all of those things. And a lot of relationship issues and issues within herself. I'm sorry about your in-laws. I um, oh no, I also thank lost. You so much. I lost my mother-in-law and my grandmother-in-law. Oh, um, I'm so sorry. Yeah, so I it's, I don't know what brutal. your experience was like, but it was horrific for us. It was horrific. It was brutal. I mean, you couldn't be with them. Yeah, right. And for kids to kind of see that firsthand, I think not only children but and teenagers and young adults. I think we are all in a place where we could use an escape, (laughs) some insight into how we're feeling. 
And and that's why part of the book is placed during the pandemic because yeah. we all experience that together. Yeah. And I think in many ways in this new book, you see that we came together mm-hmm. as a community. We helped each other. Yep. We loved on each other. And we can't forget that part, which is why I wrote to it because yeah. There was a lot of love in New York, yes. which was one of the places that was hit the hardest. Yep. It was remarkable to me because New Yorkers are typically, <laughs> you know, like a little hard nosed and they were giving, you know, clapping at a certain time every day to first responders. My husband, who was one of them, would be at the hospital and would hear these cheers for him and for his staff. And that was pretty amazing, I think. Yep. And I think we adapted to it. Thank God for Zoom. <laughs> and yep. we were having cocktail parties on Zoom. Yep. And still yep. connect with our neighbors. And um, I go into that in the book. And we lost so many of our elders mm-hmm. and the history there. And I wanted to explore that. You know, I was all in my feelings as I was writing yep. because <laughs> I was like, I know people will connect with this experience totally. because we lived it. Totally. Oh my gosh. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah, it's hard to even remember and that it was just, it like just happened. You know, like it in the history happened. books, if you're like, oh, something that happened in 2000 and then it was 2023. Yeah, 1918 pandemic. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it just happened to us. Like we actually lived it. Yeah. I mean, and can yet, you imagine you know, that? Nobody's being nice in New York anymore. I mean, uh, no. Right? Things have changed a little bit. Uh, <laughs> now it's like, like. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. A little dicey. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. So the end of the trilogy then, tell me about that book. Yes. Well, I decided, as I mentioned, on the places. And the third place that African-Americans were allowed to buy beachfront property was Highland Beach, Maryland. And it's not too far from Annapolis. And Frederick Douglass actually owned a home, a summer home. (laughs) It's like history that I learned about because my friend Erica owns a home there. There aren't really hotels there. This is even a more exclusive community than Sag Harbor. I've been there many times and there's a wonderful museum and uh, you have the Frederick Douglass home there and his descendants 
<laughs> living there. And there are a lot of octogenarians that I actually interviewed just to get a feel of what it was like owning a home in this place that has such a storied history, but is still very hidden, perhaps intentionally, <laughs> perhaps intentionally, but I wanted to introduce also just new characters. I thought mm-hmm. that was, and I love historical fiction. So that's where the third place is and you'll meet some new people. I'm about 150 pages in. Nice. And I'm hoping that people will respond to it in the way that they've responded so far to the first two books. I've been kind of overwhelmed by the lovely response. It's been pretty cool. (laughs) That's awesome. It's really exciting. Well, aside from the fact that nobody's ever going to invite you to their house in like a remote community again. (laughs) Aside from that, it must be fun. (laughs) It's so much fun. I, you know, what I, what I always explain to the people that I interview in in preparation for the books, because I'm a type A personality. So I prepare a lot. Look, this is a piece of history that no one knows about. Let me write mm-hmm. to it. Let me tell your story. And I'll be very respectful of it. And um, I know with the Vineyard, there were book tours. People had shirts that said Summer on the Bluffs. It opened up a world to so many people. I got so many emails on my website. Like, I'm on Martha's Vineyard for the first time and everything you write about is real. I'm like, yeah. Aww. You know, <laughs> I actually went there again last summer, which I always do in August. And the owner of C'est La Vie that I write to in the book and write about He's like, my sales went up like a hundred percent. He's like, thank you so much. And Donovan, who I write about said, you know, thank you so much. It's done wonders for my business. We have people that are are stopping by and telling us that they read about this paradise in, in your book. And can we take a picture? So I think the dread that a lot of communities have, like, oh my gosh, this is not my little secret anymore, is definitely displaced by, wow, you know, yeah. these people will love this place as much as I do and respect this place. And now we have more friends. Yeah. And I, I think that was the experience for at least the first one. I was, I hope you know, I was just <laughs> No, kidding. I know. But, but there were, <laughs> okay. there were real concerns. Like people were like, you're writing about the vineyard. Wait a minute. Like the real places. Oh, you know, what's, what's our August going to look like? And I'm like, it's just going to look like you made more friends. Like, I think it's so cool. Cause I know when I read Larry Graham's book, our kind of people, it really opened up a world to me. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I knew about the sororities and fraternities because I'm a member of Alpha Cap Alpha. I, I knew about the links because I'm a member of the links. I knew about many of the things in his book, but I didn't know that black folks were not allowed to buy, you know, I, and I didn't know that they did buy. I, there, were, there were just mm-hmm. so many things that I learned. And I thought, well, I may not do it in the way that Larry did it, Lawrence Graham, which was really, you know, not fiction. He just, he wrote Mm -hmm. history down, but I can combine the two and make it a little more, you know, easy to drink. So that, that's always my goal with a beach read. Well, it's like, you know how they say when you're giving directions, sometimes (laughs) this is like a massive gender generalization, which from the past, (laughs) but that, you know, women often need like the story of the drive. Like, and then I passed this beautiful little house with the pink roof. And then I did it as opposed to like this, this, and this. I feel like it's the same sometimes with history. Like, I, I would so much rather read your book, learn, feel like I know a place in a different yeah. way and like experience it than reading a history it, book exactly. about it personally. It just makes it fun and yeah. digestible. And yes. that's my goal with all of my writing, you know, to elevate it a little bit, to teach a little bit, not to be the professor, but to teach a little history 
And also mm-hmm. a little romance, you know, like Joy, Joy says, you always got to have sex. I'm like, I, I guess, I guess you do have to have sex. <laughs> so my books do have a little bit of that, as you know, but digestible, you know, and fun. And when do you get everything done? Like oh. what is, what are some of your time management secrets yeah. here with being on TV and writing and publicizing the book and everything else it's, you do? It's a little crazy. I don't sleep as much as I should. I probably get about five hours of sleep a night. My dear friend Sanjay Gupta said I'm taking years off of my life and that's probably true, but I have insomnia, so I don't sleep much. And I happen to be a natural night owl. Like I really think there is something to this notion of circadian rhythms, right? So like Mm -hmm. I am my best at night. My husband is this early bird. He's really good at 5 a.m. I can't see 5 a.m. We have the same thing here. I can't see 5 (laughs) a.m. We're on different I don't like 5 a.m. Even though I'm a morning talk show host, I'm not really a morning person. I'm I'm kind of forced to be a morning person because of my career choices, but I write at night because that's what I tend to be most productive. My children are asleep. I know that they Mm -hmm. don't need me. My husband is asleep because he's an early riser, works out like at 5 a.m. I think it's bizarre. And just the house is quiet. The dogs are sleeping. The chickens are, you know, nesting in their their coop. And I basically just go into my office and start writing. I have a cup of tea and I love to write in the winter because I have a fireplace behind me and I just write. And unfortunately for me, sometimes it's 2 a.m. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've got to do the view tomorrow. I got to go to bed. Sorry, like rush to bed so I can get four (laughs) hours of sleep or five hours of sleep. But I write at night. That's generally my my process. On the weekends, uh, my children have activities, especially my daughter now who is in high school and a track athlete. And so if I'm not at a meet, I'm generally writing, you know, trying to meet my deadlines. And I haven't missed any deadlines. So I've, I've been pretty lucky in that. But I feel very productive late at night. Like it's so quiet and peaceful and I can just get into my head. I I need a lot of quiet to write. Some people can do a lot of things at the same time, but I I certainly can't write that way. I don't have the creative juices when I have um, distraction. Mm -hmm. I'm the same way. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm the morning type of person. Uh, Yeah. You know, this morning I got up so early with my dog oh. and I was like, okay, it's five o'clock and the dog's up and the kids are asleep. I was like, I could write or I could do, I could email or I could like spend the two hours that I've been putting off these camp forms that have been due. Yes. For like, I'm like, and I've got like 600 emails, like they're due. Uh, yes. The health form is due May 1st. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like the waivers and the this. And I'm like, why, why do they do this to I'm us? I'm like, I'm going to get it done. I'm, I promise. I'm going to get my book done. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what advice do you have for aspiring authors? You know, I think my advice is that you should write what you know. And if there is a book, this is Toni Morrison's advice, but I took it seriously. If there's a book you want to read, but you can't find it, then you should write it. I I really Mm -hmm. think there are less authors because of the fear, certainly Mm -hmm. of rejection. I still fear like, oh my gosh, how's this book going to be received? Even though the first was a New York Times bestseller, which shocked the heck out of me. I'm still scared about how it will be received. And I think that everyone has a story in them and different experiences. And I want to read about those different experiences. I'm surprised more people don't write fiction because some of us dream so vividly. There are so many jewels and gems there 
my advice is to go for it. Most importantly, if there is something that you want to read and it's not out there, then that's your story. And mm-hmm. you write to what you know, for sure. And marry someone who's on a different circadian rhythm. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> then you can write in peace. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise you'll never have time. <laughs> anyway. Okay, Sunny, thank you so much. Thanks thank for coming you. back on Mom's Center Time to Read Books. And I have no doubt this will be a huge success oh, as well. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 